Hey guys, Montel here, and welcome to this edition of Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Joining me today is a patient advocate and cancer survivor. She's the founder of Kitty Weedy, and she is on a mission right now to educate patients on the viability and benefits and efficaciousness of cannabis. Nikidra Cromwell, thank you so much for being a part of Let's Be Blunt with Montel today. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, for sure. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and where you grew up and you know, how cannabis was perceived in your family when you were younger? Okay. I grew up in Annapolis. I'm from Annapolis, Maryland. I grew up in Annapolis and cannabis is something that's been around me my whole life. Like to the point I'm at, I actually was a late bloomer, as you can say, a late starter, but it's been around me my whole life. I consider myself a first generation crack baby because my mother didn't consume crack when she was pregnant with me, but I was on that front line and I was babysitting all of those babies. So I was on that front line in the beginning in 85. So I always, I'll never, I'll never look back. I'll never look back as, as that being something bad, you know, but let's fast forward. I had brain surgery in 2015 and I suffer from a neurological condition called Chiari malformation. And it comes in different forms. Some people um, go their whole life and don't even know what it is, but what it does is it it overloads our motherboard. It's like it's it, it just takes over our brain and it it masks other symptoms and stuff. And a lot of doctors and a lot of professionals don't even know about this. So because I addiction is strong in my family, addiction runs very high in my family. They had me on a bunch of really heavy narcotics. And I, I didn't I, I didn't want to go down that road at all. So I started researching cannabis and the medicinal benefits of it. And here I am today. No, no, no narcotics. No, I, I just medicate off of uh, high THC. And you told me a couple years back in Baltimore, you said <laughs> we took a picture and in this picture, we're smiling and we're talking through our teeth. And you said, <laughs> I'm sorry if I get emotional. This feels like a 360. Sure. But you told me, you said you keep my, you said you keep up, you said you keep it up, girl. You keep you, you keep that same ritual. You but, but you incorporate CBD every day. You incorporate CBD every day. And that's that stuck with me. That stuck with me. And so I started researching CBD after. You told me that. And so that's what I also do. I incorporate that in my daily ritual. And it is such a big difference. Right. So, yeah, I'm here to stand, stand in the middle. I'm here to help to release that stigma. I'm here to to speak for the voiceless about how this 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 magical plant has medicinal values and it can help on all aspects, even in the recovery, even in the recovery um, community. Absolutely. Look, let, let, let's slow down for a little bit and let's go back a little bit more. You, I want to kind of start with, again, you're growing up. When did you first or when were you first diagnosed with cancer? When I was first diagnosed with cancer, it was the first time. It was like 2004. 
was a rap. Old Ruth? Yeah, it was, I was. Oh, I was in my early 20s. Um, okay. Yes, I was in my early 20s. I was about 20, 24. I was about okay. Just, I mean, when what were your symptoms or what was going on before you went into a doctor and the doctor said you had cancer? I was having really bad cramps. And my menstrual okay. cycles was really, really bad. And I would bleed for really long times, like way, way more than the, the average, way more than they, it was just crazy. And so I went. And, and, and what type of cancer were you diagnosed with? The first time it was a rare form of ovarian cancer. Gotcha. And you, how was the trip? Well, I'm when the doctor, you know, said, I'm so sorry to tell you, but you have cancer. What went through your mind? I felt as though it was the end. I was young. And that word don't, I, I heard it when people was older, but I was really young. And it, it really, it really floored me for a minute. It took me to a dark place for real. I had to, I really had to, I really had to find God. And I really had to dig down into, you know, my spiritual upbringing. Sure. And, and how were you treated for the first round for that? For the first round, they treated me with, um, I think they were like chemo pills of some sort. Yeah, chemo, no radiation, but chemo. No radiation, but then yeah. it was so aggressive that they ended up just, I ended up getting castrated. They ended up just giving me the full hysterectomy. Okay, and that cured you? Yeah, that, for, for, for the most part, for that, nothing ever came back. Okay. Except for- and so, Well, go ahead, except for? Except for a few years ago, when I was diagnosed with um, squamous carcinoma skin, skin cancer. Oh, wow. Okay. So now, do they think there was any association between the two, or this was just something else that just happened? They they didn't say it was any association with the two. It actually, it actually floored all of us because for real, Montel, and this is what I had said to the, doc, to the nurse when she called me on that Christmas Eve. I didn't think black people could get that. I didn't think right. black people could get skin cancer. So that also opened up more education for me to share with my community because we do get it. And Absolutely. It's, 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 it's serious, but it's something that we don't talk about. So we think that in our community, we don't get skin cancer. Well, we do. And then they treated you with that. How did they treat you for that? They removed, they removed the, because it hadn't gotten down too far in the layers of the, of my skin. So they mm -hmm. basically removed it and they had gotten some skin from some another area from me and they you grafted. Yeah. And grafted it. Yep. Okay. So now you're two time cancer survivor and you're cured twice and then you get another diagnosis for cancer. No, that was it. That was the second one. Okay. All right. So then, why did you end up having this? So then when did you get diagnosed with having the brain issue? Now the brain issue was in between the hysterectomy and the squamous carcinoma. That was in 2014, 2015, because I had my brain surgery in 2015. Wow. And I mean, so, I mean, it, it, that happened, like you said, between, they came to you and they said what? I had went to uh, orthopedic because my shoulder was bothering me. Because what a lot of people didn't know was I, I really I really couldn't smile. 
It was painful for me to smile. And I had just maneuvered it. I, I couldn't do this. I couldn't do this. But I maneuvered it. Like I would just turn my body and stuff. I went to the orthopedic because my, my shoulder was feeling just crazy. He said that he saw something on the x-ray and he wanted me to see a neurosurgeon. And a neuro, a neuro, to be recommended to a neurosurgeon, questions had already started jumping to me like neurosurgeon. But he said that he trusted this individual and that he wanted me to see him ASAP because he seen something and he wanted me to sit down and speak with him. And when I, when I spoke with Dr. Clifford Solomon, this man is amazing. He, this man is amazing. When I sat down in his chair, the first thing he said to me was, Miss Cromwell, you are not crazy. And I just lost it. I didn't even know I had that much built up emotion inside of me. But just those words alone, I lost it because I felt like here I am finally sitting down with somebody that understands what I'm right. going through. And, and it's said, not all in my head. Exactly. exactly. Right, right. And what did he say? Well, how did he explain what was wrong? I'm trying to yeah. figure out the... He explained to me my condition is some is um, it's a neurological condition. So you know how like when you plug in electrical wires, and even though if they're all separated when you plug them in, but then when you go back, they might be all just like scrambled up around. That's yep. what happened with Chiari malformation. Our our nerves and our vein. That's what happens. They get all scrambled around. And he said that he hadn't seen he. He said mine was he said mine was really, really, really like knotted really? up and clustered up. Yeah. So is that in the is that in the cerebellum of your brain? Where is that at? In the back? Yeah, that's in the lower cerebellum area. Okay. All yeah. right. So, and so they recommended that the only way to fix this is through an operation. Yeah. He said that's exactly what he said. And he gave me the pros and cons of it. But by this time I felt like it. I didn't have anything to lose. I got faith. Yeah. And some of the cons were the fact that you could be paralyzed for the rest of your life. You might not be able to move one side of your body. You could suffer a stroke, right? Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm nailing them. Yeah. Um, it caused neurological damage for the rest of your life. Yeah. But had he ever done one of these surgeries before? Yes. He's actually, a, I, I, I say he's a pro with it. Like he, he's highly right. recommended in the, um, in this area with, with people with that condition. And so you went in and agreed, okay, let's do the surgery. And then yeah. what was the post-op for that surgery? It was just a rehab, what? I slipped through the cracks. I didn't make, they, I, I didn't do rehab. It was like, at the time I had a one-year-old grandson. My daughter was teaching him how to read and she was teaching him his shapes and his numbers and everything. I was just following along. I was literally following along with her. I was really taking my time as far as with healing. I I I, I fell through the cracks. I didn't get the rehab that I should have gotten. I'm, but God works in mysterious ways because <laughs> I don't have any more blackouts. I don't have any more seizures. I go dory sometimes, and that's okay. But that's not depressing or nothing for me anymore. It's going to come back or it's not. But. And so then when did you stumble upon the effects of cannabis in helping you in your recovery? 
I stumbled upon I stumbled upon the, the facts of that. It was like it was like 2013, 2014, because that was around the time when I was really having serious blackouts and seizures and didn't we, we we could not figure it out. It would just happen and it was to the point where I had my kids, I would say, I'm ready to pass out. And within one second, you know, they, they knew to be behind me because I'm ready to hit the ground. It wasn't nothing out nobody could do about it. the doctors couldn't figure it out. Couldn't nobody tell me anything. So it's not medical in Maryland yet. So they it was a difference. They had the Reggie and they had the loud. That's what they were calling the difference in the in the uh cannabis in the streets at the time. Whenever I would smoke the loud, I wouldn't have the seizures and I wouldn't have the blackouts, but it was so expensive. You know what I'm saying? So I really we had we we had to compromise. We we had to compromise, but when the family got together and we we figured out what helped for me, we we made it work. And then I had my brain surgery in 2015. And then as I'm healing, I'm starting to to have I'm starting to be able to put my hands on more research. I'm I'm starting to be able to understand this plant in the endocannabinoid system, because at first that research wasn't there. And now I'm able to literally read it for myself and, and teach and learn myself. And then once I, once I felt as though I was a hundred percent and I got on my feet, we had legalized and as a medical state. So when I signed up for that, and I'm still learning as much as I can. I signed up with uh, professor Shad Ewart. He has a class at the Anne Arundel community college. Sure thing I know it well. Mm -hmm. And because I learned different, I took that class like three times. And he said, I can take it as much as I want. And I really appreciate that because our laws change so much anyway. You know what I mean? But sure. that, that class helped me out a lot. And then with me going down to the legislative reference and lobby day and paying attention to the laws and becoming a recovery coach, I still need, I still feel like I, I don't even know enough. I'm such an herb nerd now. Right, 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 right. So now that's what you do now full time is try to educate other patients about the benefits of cannabis? Yes. I I um I have spoken at the cannabis science conference on the opioid addiction antidote, the one in Long Beach and the one in Baltimore. And I have a poster that's circulating that I had made, um, basically showing and talking about how CBD helps with that, with the heroin cravings and everything. But I just feel like we can't leave the recovery community out. They want help. They need help. And the doctors are the reason for this epidemic. And if there's something out here that's going to help them, let them help themselves. And if it takes yeah. me fighting for them and speaking up for them, I will. I will because it helped me. You took you took classes not only at Anne Arundel Community College, but you also took classes at the University of Colorado, right? I did online. Yep. And and how did those classes help you? What were your takeaways? The takeaways from those classes, all of them are there's still so much out here that we don't know about this plant. But at the same time, this plant is a miraculous medicinal plant. It helps us so much as far as regenerating ourselves. It helps neurological. It helps nerve. It helps so much. And 
like right now, as far as the educate, thank, thank goodness for the education that I have because my mom is going through chemo and everything with this pancreatic cancer. She didn't pass both her death dates and we make sure she medicate with RSO and it, it really helps. It counteracts the, the effects of that chemo and stuff. And it's so funny because our doctors is just like so dumbfounded. But right. Yes, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Now tell me a little bit about this, this entrepreneurial adventure that you've jumped on. What is, what is Kitty Weedy? Kitty Weedy is a cannabis lifestyle brand. I was, <laughs> this happened during COVID. I was trying to get a job in the different dispensaries and just, you know, I, I was trying to get in the industry and nobody would let me in. It's like, you're <laughs> really stingy and mean. So I took it upon myself because I'm also 25. Uh, I retired out of the um, hair industry uh, in May. when I did 25 years. And we used to have a woman on back of every jar. She was the, It was called the Proud Lady. And, and on back of these jars, like TCB, Lusters, it showed that these products were made um, in our community. Our community and it and it was a, a stamp to show that it was a safe product. That's where I feel like I'm going with Kitty Weedy. I I took her as a cannabis lifestyle brand because they told me what I couldn't do. They told me that I wouldn't be able to open up. They told me that I wouldn't be able to start a cannabis business legitly or legally. They told me I couldn't do so much, and I took it upon myself and I was able to do all of it. And so this is my umbrella. Because as Kitty Weedy is a cannabis lifestyle brand, so these seeds that I'm planting, Montau, it's going to be an awesome forest. I don't know where she's going right now, but she focused. And right now working with UEP, it's definitely, it's definitely, um, it is definitely amazing. It's definitely amazing. Well, when you say lifestyle brand, you're selling products like clothing and other things. Talk, talk to me about what yes, you sell. Yes, you, you... I sell t-shirts, socks. Um, fanny packs, um, sweatsuits, sweatshirts. You can go to my website. I sell them off of my website, which is kittyweedy.com. Yes, and then some, mm -hmm. some, some. Um, you can get, you can get custom, you can get customized um, phrases because a lot of my t-shirts they slick, it's slick, it's slick phrases. Like one of my, um, one of my t-shirts is everybody want that smoke telly choking on it. Ah, got it, got it, got it. Well, I know we have some mutual friends, Redman, yes. Safita, Josh Crosney, right? Yeah. yeah. You were working with uh, their organization for a while, right? Yeah. Absolutely. And you say you came out of the can closet in 2018. Why did, you feel you, why did you feel like before that you had to hide the fact that you were using cannabis? Because it was such a stigma on it. It was such a stigma on it. And it was like, okay, so I'm going to use me singing on the choir, for instance, in church. It's like when I, I couldn't medicate properly, you know what I mean? Like I had to make sure I, I put the visine in my eyes. I had to make sure I was smelling like Miss Faye down the street, all of the, the perfumes, you know what I mean? To try to, to down the, the aroma. And I felt like I had to dumb myself down a little bit and deny what was really helping me. So when it became legal, 
I was able to jump out that closet like, ta-da! I don't have to put no visine in my eyes. The aroma is lovely. And if anybody asks me, I'm not ashamed to tell them. I'm not yeah. high and I don't smoke weed. I medicate off a of can. There you go. And, and you know, uh, how has the Maryland medical program been working for patients in Maryland? Is is that they finally gotten it together? They trying to. Mm-hmm. They, 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 they trying to. It's the, they, 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 they didn't came a long way. They didn't came a little further, a little further than what they was doing. And they're trying to. They're actually giving us. Now they're giving us an opportunity to share, too. You know what I mean? To, to they're not just doing it behind closed doors. So I really appreciate that. What's your What's your favorite delivery method? Gold leaf. I mean, do you, Huh? It's leaf, you smoke, uh, you, you smoke uh, flour. joint, flour, flour, blunt. flour. blunts, okay, yeah. do, you, do you like uh, vapes, oils, edibles? I love them all. Now, here go the thing, when I smoke my blunts, that's therapy, now, and this is for me, when I smoke my blunts, that's therapy, and when I'm, mm-hmm. when I'm eating my edibles, that's, that's medicine, because it's two totally different we receiving it in two totally different ways. You know what I mean? Right. Absolutely. So, so to me, my blunts is my therapy and my edibles is my medicine. That That's how I look at it. Gotcha. And what do you do in your role as the Maryland Cannabis Ambassador, as a Maryland Cannabis Ambassador? Well, I, I show up at the different events. Um, I'm open to any anybody that needs education or any type of service in the uh, Maryland cannabis industry, whether it's getting their card, whether it's just just having knowledge on what's going on with the law, or just speaking on them because maybe they helping them because maybe that they, they want to try, they want to try it, but they don't, they're not for sure because that stigma it has hit them real hard. So as an ambassador, they get to see me out and about, out of the closet. I'm a successful stoner. I'm doing things and it's working for me. It's working for me. So now, now, you know, I mean, having been in this industry now for as long as you have, I mean, I'm sure you have some thoughts about what you'd like to see happen in the next couple of years. What are you thinking about? Now, Maryland, Maryland only has medical, right? They don't have recreational. Do they have recreational? We passed. We passed recreational. That's right. You did it. We passed this last year, so they're still working out the rules for that, right? Right. It don't won't nothing go in effect until July the first. We still trying to help. We still trying to work on this two plant uh, law. This rule what they have with every adult can have two plants. We still trying to to press that a little bit because that's it's pushing it right there. That's right. Well, I mean, I guess with nowadays allowing uh, people to come together and do like co ops together. I've starting to. I've actually starting to see them. I have. I have right. starting to see. I, I. I. I'm starting to see them actually. Yeah, because I mean, I think that's that's what happens and has happened in a lot of states. I mean, when they give you, you know, patients and the individual the right to grow a certain number of plants, those individuals can basically come to one location and say, "Can we all grow together?" Yeah. And then you end up having a, a a cooperative that literally would have sustainably enough cannabis for everybody to go around. Yeah. Yeah. 
Have you been working to try to, do you have any licenses in that? Are you applying for licenses? I am that? actually, I am. I'm about to, I'm actually about to apply for my hemp grow license. Because here, here in Maryland, it's every couple years. Um, as far as how the license go, like that license process not open around the clock. Um, so like it should be ready to open up. It's 2023, 2024. It should be ready to open up again for, um, the state. If anybody want to grow, open a dispensary or anything like that. So yeah, I'm definitely, um, I am, I'm in, I'm, I'm definitely in line. Okay, for sure. And then what do you what do you think is going to happen in this industry over the next say year, next two years, next five years? For the state or for? How about just just your dream? I mean, what what what's going to happen for the state and for the country? We got to deschedule. You think so? We got to deschedule. We got to deschedule, and everybody gonna have an opportunity. And um, each one teach one. I believe this. this I believe what Bob Marley said and. This, this is the healing of the nations. And if, if we can't come up underneath this plan and figure it out, then I don't think we do. But I, I believe that this is the healing of the nations for real. Well, as an African-American woman, though, have you, I know you have noticed the fact that you know, this industry has been pretty much anti-female. Yes. Because there's probably, what, less than 5% of the people in the industry are women. Yes. And, you know, I think African-American women make up about 5 to 10% of that. So, I mean, what do you think, like in Maryland? Baltimore is Chocolate City in a sense. I mean, it seems to me like there should be more representation of people of color in Baltimore and even in Annapolis. So do you think that's going to change in the state? I agree. And yes, it is going to change because as, as a part of the collective in Maryland, that's what we're working on right now is bringing the education to our communities. It's a few of us that's out here in everything. We, You'll see us. You'll see us in different places and stuff. But we always come together once a week so that we can take this education to our community where it's not going. So yeah, I believe I, I, we gonna be good. We gonna be all right. All right. Well, Nikidra, uh, if anybody wanted to get a hold of you or reach out to you to, to just interact, where would they go? They can hit me on my Instagram at kidiweedy. At kidiweedy.com and say, Nikidra, ask you questions and you'll respond yourself? I sure will, I sure will respond back. Okay, for sure. And I can't if they want any you. merch, they can go to my website, www.kdweedy.com. Okay. Well, anything else you'd like to add? Uh, no? Okay. All good? right, my dear. <laughs> well, I, I got I to gotta thank you for being a part of the show today. Uh, it's very, very informative. And I and also, you're blessed that you've been able to survive three you know, illnesses that have taken a lot of people out yeah. and you're still here. So you clearly are here for a reason, right? I believe that. I believe that. I believe that also, my dear. So look, I got to thank you so much for being a part of Let's Be Blunt. And um, you keep on keeping on. And and if you ever need to, to chat with me or holler or want some more information, boom, I'm, I stand by. Stay ready to help. All right. Watch out. Watch out. You're going to have to keep okay. that preparation age close because I'm going to use it. Absolutely. Well, you know, that preparation age, the idea of preparation age, most people know that it works on the other side, <laughs> on that exit portal. But what people don't understand is that that exit portal happens to be an incredible entry portal right. for cannabinoids. I don't know if you know a lot about No, that's right. That's right. But, yes. But yes, uh, you know, suppositories and cannabis yes. 
we've, we've proven that, you know, you absorb much more of the cannabis that way than you actually do orally. Exactly. So because you're, you're bypassing the liver and those kinds of things. So, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> stay on top of that for sure. Okay. Yeah. Thank you so much. And you stay blessed. Yeah. You too. You stay blessed. And we'll check in with you from time to time. See how you're doing. I'm so glad that you're doing as well as you are. Thank you so much. Uncle. I'll see you soon. Absolutely. And uh, make sure you tune in to the next Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Thanks for joining me on Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Please make sure you're subscribed and hit the bell to be notified when new episodes post each week. We'd love to hear your feedback also, so please send us your comments. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Larry Mishkin, and I'd like to invite you to join Rob Hunt and me on our weekly podcast, The Deadhead Cannabis Show. Each week, we explore the latest cannabis and jam band news and reminisce with other deadheads and jam band lovers about the great musical acts that we've seen and heard. Check out a new episode every Monday.